0: working drummer
1: Don't kick it.
0: this is the working drummer podcast serving up perspectives experiences and stories from ground-level working pros advice tips and secrets on how to build a career in the music business
2: hey everybody this is matthew kraus and you are listening to the podcast working drummer today my interview is with drummer brian ferguson Brian is based in Austin, Texas, and can be found touring, recording, and producing a wide variety of acts. Brian has worked with many artists, including Robert Earl Keene, Pat Green, Jack Ingram, Stony LaRue, and many more. Currently, Brian is drumming with the performing artist and songwriter Corey Morrow. As an endorser of Dixon Drums, Brian is currently spending some time in China on a clinic tour. To find out more about this episode and all the episodes that we've done, you can find us on WorkingDrummer.net. You can find us also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can subscribe to this podcast through iTunes, and while you're there, leave a rating and review. This really helps us grow. If you like what we're doing here at Working Drummer Podcast and you want to help sustain this ongoing project that Mike and Zach and I have been doing for over two and a half years, there's a way that you can help. And there are many progressive rewards for those of you who can help. I'm talking about free Skype lessons with pro drummers like Ben Caesar and Carter McLean, a free Working Drummer t-shirt, access to bonus content, shoutouts, Twitter follows, and even a personal feature on you within an episode. Check out the details at patreon.com slash working drummer. Donations start out at a dollar per month. And I want to do a shout out to some of our patrons, Adam LaGrave, Matt Middleton, Mark Dome, and Angela Lisi. We appreciate you guys so much. So let's get to this. Here is Brian Ferguson.
0: I play with a, a, a Texas-based artist whose name is Corey Morrow. And uh, um, he is, uh, I guess, like one of the prototypical Texas country artists. Uh, he's been doing it a long time. Um, so we have a pretty light schedule. Some of it is by design. Um uh, and when I say light, it's like maybe seventy dates this year
1: um, oh,
0: wow. and yeah um uh so um that actually works out perfectly for me um with having a newborn uh so I have a two month year old yesterday um Corey's wife also gave birth to their fifth child, believe it or not,
1: holy cow
0: <laughs> uh, right. Uh, they have four boys. Uh, the, the youngest two boys were twins. So at one point, they had like four boys over the age. We're crazy. Um, and, uh, um, and they wanted a girl, so they kept trying. So they got, they got their, their baby girl. She was born like a week, a week before ours. So some of the scheduling has is, is kind of been because Corey has, has, has lightened the, the schedule a little bit. So it just worked out perfectly. You know, not have some family time. Um, and I still have my gig, and I'm not super stressed about that, I guess you know yeah um so so on on the gig front, you know, like that, that's been my gig for about two and a half years. It's really great people, fantastic players, uh, and we do the the typical regional stuff that the Texas country guys are doing some national things a couple times a year um, you know, playing like the, the the Green Halls. I mean, this will mean something to some people, but like you know, Green Hall or the Billy Bob's Texas, and and you know, we have really great, we uh, really well received um, at those shows. Um, so, so the the even though the schedule's a little light, like seventy shows for some people, that would be like half of what they normally do or a third of what they normally do. That's
2: that still pretty first. good. That's still pretty stout.
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, yeah. it's, it's uh, it, it's enough uh it's it's enough um, to where it's not crazy all the time and it and especially like you know man i'm not i'm not like twenty three I'm not trying to be in a van for hours of the day, so, so the fact that, that we have a you know we have really comfortable with a great crew really really comfortable on accommodation and get on the bus jump out and times of the year play cool shows with with p others
2: that sounds amazing. So about 70 shows a year, uh, he just had a, their fifth child.
0: Correct. Yeah.
2: And you so, have, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man.
0: So there's been some time off from Corey, which has been great. Um, you know, we do that, which I think is typical is typical to some of the, the national artists too. It's kind of a long weekend. At times we will go out, but it's typically like a long weekend thing, Yeah. you know, get on the boat, run around the region for a few days and, and come back. Um, so that, that works uh, for having a, <laughs> a newborn as well. Um, so then, you know, so I, I'm doing that. Uh, that's obviously my main gig. Um,
1: okay.
0: I'm also, um, so with that scheduling, I do have time for other things. Um, I'm actually on Sunday, I'm flying to China uh, for what? dick Syndrome. Oh, yeah. Cool. Crazy, huh? Um, I, I'm one of their artists. I've known the... Production manager um, uh, there in Saint Louis Music. I've known him since I was a kid. I grew up in his drum shop. Okay. That managed for years. So uh, I guess he started doing Dixon about five years ago. So he called and and um, it was really a really great opportunity. Uh, for me and also for them to get some drums on the road and some feedback and stuff. And, and I guess they, you know, they just take one of their artists over every year. I think last year it was Greg that The year before it was Andre Boyd. So I guess it's, it's come around. It's my turn. So, um, uh, I had this little break with Corey. So, um, we, uh, we scheduled it. So yeah, I'll be over there, I guess a little less than 10 days.
2: So, and, um, yeah. do you know where you're going in China?
0: Um, Yes, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm going to have to to refer to the. I mean, it's not. It's the, not. Uh,
2: a, it's not a very big country. I'm sure. I'm sure everybody.
0: Knows. Right. Yeah. There's not very many people. So I think everyone in this country will will, will get to see me at yeah, some point. <laughs> uh, I'm going to Wuhan, uh, uh, Zhujiang and Xinjiang, and there's one other that I'm having a brain fart about. Uh, you know, of course, like flying into Beijing and. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it's uh, it's
2: gonna be fun. It'll be a new experience for me. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, it, one of the reasons I ask is my wife lived there for a year. Um, oh. Cool. Back in the late '90s, and I actually went over there for about three weeks to visit her, and it was uh, it was amazing. But that it has changed so much. So I think your experience will be unique, yeah. um, but but amazing all the same. So while you're there uh, for Dixon, what are you going to be your responsibilities?
0: Um, well, so I'm, I'm doing, um, five clinics. Okay. So those like 60 to 90 minutes. So I have a typical clinic thing that I do. Yeah. Um, it's, it's less, uh, you know, drum acrobatics kind of thing. I just, you know, I I just, I am me and I do (laughs) kind of what I do. Uh, so you know, I I kind of have a roots-based background. Um, growing up in St. Louis, it was a lot of blues and stuff like that, and and okay. and uh, and then you know being down here in Austin, a lot of a lot of country and, and roots music. And I've obviously like you know played big orchestrated church things and pop gigs and cover band gigs. I think like we all have, but right. But that stuff is, like, at the core of who I am. So, so you know, my, my clinics in China will be kind of on American Roots music, and I have a lot of play-alongs, and, you know, I do some soloing and stuff. And, okay. But it, it's part educational as well, you know. Well, when you say um,
2: American Roots, what what styles would, are you referring to when you say American Roots?
0: Yeah, I guess that's different for everybody, because just like China's a big country, we have a yeah. pretty uh, disparate uh, population here. Um, I you know for me it, it's it's kind of like the, for drums it like it seems to me like the root of the drum is in jazz music you know so the mm-hmm. the having a having an underlying swing pulse it, it seems to influence like for me like who some of the really great drummers are you know yeah uh, even if, like the you know the the rock pioneer like the bottoms I mean you just hear the swing you know oh yeah um. You know, I play a lot of Blues stuff and, and all those guys There was no such thing as like in the 60s Or 50s, they nobody wanted to be a blues drummer It mean, wasn't a thing, they were all like jazz cats That happened to, you know, play On a record,
1: yeah.
0: a, a chess record So but I would Say that that swing jazz pulse Is kind of what influenced A lot of this stuff um, so, so that's kind of what it Means to me, I mean it's like, it's country And blues and, and and jazz and
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and, and biodico as we get over like towards Louisiana and, sure. and New Orleans stuff. I mean that to me that's kind of what roots roots means, you know. And and um, do you have
2: uh, for your clinics do you have handouts? Do you have I know you said you have a uh, a formula or you have a plan already?
0: Sure. Yeah, I I do. Um I have uh, um some groove development kind of things and some 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 you know for for the chinese audience it's it's um, of course this is new to me so but I, I'm you know I'm talking to the artist reps over there trying to get a vibe for the playing level of the audience you know so a lot of times like so, so these, these are sponsored by dealers um, Dixon dealers but but a lot of them are music schools so the the students are even when came to sixteen uh, so there'll be obviously some more adults that are interested that that show up at their school. So, um, so yeah, I have I have some some different roots grooves that that I have uh, printed out, and a lot of the play alongs are just things I have played on. You know, they're just records that I've done. Oh, I've just cool. Grabbed, yeah. Grabbed, grabbed, you know, and just just had the <clears throat> got the artist's approval and, and got the drums yanked and just loaded them into Ableton. So, so I to play along through the tracks.
2: You know, that's a great idea. That's that's really great.
0: Yeah. And, I, and I've used that before for different things. So, so here in Austin, we have uh comedy's drummed up and they do a first Monday, I guess it's called the drum club, Austin drum co-op. And so Tommy's the drummed up. It just, they they host a clinic at the one-to-one bar in Austin every first Monday. And they have, they've had all the really great local players. They've had some national people thing. I think Redmond came through a month or two ago, you know, uh, Todd Superman lives here. So, you know, there's some, some really marquee people. Um, but there's also, like, um, the solid-working guys like mm-hmm. myself. So so I wanted, and I catered some of those play-along tracks. Not so much like, hey, here's a shuffle I played, because everybody in Austin has a great shuffle. But it was more like, you know, <laughs> I, catered, <laughs> I, catered, I catered my message towards, like, you, you know, some of the numbers chart stuff and some of the things that I would see on uh-huh. a set.
2: Oh, uh, you cut out there. So so things that you would see
0: on a session? Yeah. Okay. Things on a session or, uh, you know, or uh, in in the number chart thing. And and so I kind of, I'm catering it to the audience to some degree. Right. trying to make it relevant. It's not like, here's my one thing. I have a a writing partner and we have a sideband called the Harvey Cartel. Yeah, yeah like buddy, buddy jacob uh peterson that that, that him and I've kind of had this band for a while and it gets off the ground and it we get busy and then it you know it dies for a while and then it gets off the ground so you know he's kind of uh, he's kind of out for for most of the summer so so we 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 have been like making some plans to do some recording kind of behind the scenes this summer, so when he gets off the road, we'll play a little bit more in the fall now is he
2: he's is is he on the road with steve miller this summer yeah okay yeah
0: yeah he's okay. been on that game like, five yeah. or six years like okay
2: that. okay and yeah. and yeah. it sounds like you guys go back a little bit
0: yeah so uh he's from denmark um and when he first came to the u.s we met like you know first couple months he was here and uh just, just became good really friends uh Stayed in touch. He went to Chicago for a while and wound up on the West Coast. And uh, he got me a gig with this guy named Curtis Salgado, which was in like 2001, I guess. Okay. Um, Curtis is kind uh, of—he's the kind of guy where you see him and you go, like, why isn't this guy famous? Because he's just a fabulous singer.
2: Sure. Sure.
0: This this huge, like, blue-eyed soul voice and. But uh, so anyway, I guess his claim to fame is he kind of helped Ackroyd and Belushi with the Blues Brothers skit. I guess they they modeled it after him. He was him and Robert Cray had a band up in Salem, Oregon, when they were cutting. They were doing filming the Animal House movie up there. So so those guys were coming up to Curtis and Robert Cray's gigs and asking to sit in, and so that's that's kind of how they. This friendship. So his, his his stick and his blues thing is what inspired that movie. Um, wow. So he's up he's up in Portland, Oregon, still you know chugging away and still doing it. And uh, so Jake and I toured with him for a couple of years. Um and and you know that's like getting in the van, running across the country for eight weeks, and then having a week or two off and doing it again. You know. Oh my gosh. So so. Take, yeah, Jacob and I spent a lot, a lot of time, you know, in our kind of formative years, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. it out in the trenches, so to speak, you know? Sure.
2: Was there one thing, um, that so was we, that were the first major tour that you ever did, or?
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think we played just about, I think we traveled through every state of Hawaii and, and played maybe 47 or 48 of those. feel you know, like every every bar or Chitlin Circus gig, you know, <clears throat> that's a little it's probably not the right term, but, you know, being sure. salting to sell, but every, every kind of, you know, every bar, you know, you would have your, your, your weekends, you would have big festivals to bookend, and then you would have the, the bar gigs, or the, yeah. the small venue gigs, along the way. Any, any revelation,
2: any, any revelations or anything during that time, that was just like, wow, this is more than I expected, or this is less than I expected?
0: Well, um, I mean, I think the. Well, shoot, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, it was an amazing learning experience. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, one is like seeing the country uh, that way yes. is, is something that I I can't like like I'm eternally grateful for. Um, and, and that and that's you know from from like Rockland, Maine down to the Keys, all the way up to like. Bellingham, Washington, down to San Diego. Like I, I got to see this country, which is really amazing. Yeah. Um on the like professional playing side, it was a real kick in the pants. Like I think that the players were all better than I was mm. when I got there. So I it was that kind of thing where like you're holding on for dear life. Yeah. Um and my so my initial experience was Jacob got me the gig, even though he wasn't on it yet. And Him and Curtis had become friends, and Curtis said, well, I don't need a guitar player now, I need a drummer. Um, And Jacob was like, you gotta call Brian. And I was in Dallas at the time. Mm -hmm. So they would fly me out, we would play, we would rehearse at the Musicians Union for like three days, and then go on the road. And that first, I think I had like a four-week round-trip ticket, and it was gonna be like five days out west, and then like a few days off, and then like a three-week run. Like, it's still out west. Mm -hmm. But it was like a major. It was a major like, wow! I'm not <laughs> prepared for this. You know, yeah. I'm my act, ad- and, and then you get into that. This is great I mean, for anybody. Some people maybe do it earlier than I did, but like you get into that. You know, you get into this headspace where it's like you don't feel like you're doing great. You feel like you're being outclassed. You're, you know, you're kind of in like a, a desperate moment to get it together mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's what feel like that's what the Curtis gig was for me early on and really learning how to play strong not necessarily loud but but strong and loud i guess there's a there's a perception sometimes on how consistent and strong your groove is Hmm. versus some some families like give me more give me more and a lot of times they just need consistency they don't need Volume, you know, so I went through some struggles like trying to give the band what they needed consistency wise. Okay. And, and, and I, so some of it was like, oh, I gotta hit harder, I gotta, you know, but a lot, most of it was just being more mature and playing really great, um, playing solid. Um, so, so not, yeah. The, the,
2: so, not necessarily, sorry. not necessarily volume or notes. They just, right. they, they just need this consistent, predictable feel for them to do their thing
0: exactly
2: yeah yeah
0: um so you know and and then i I just went to school on curtis's record collection and um really got into the new orleans thing and and uh and a lot of the funk stuff Mm -hmm. um so that was it was just a great yeah it was a great experience you know um it, I'm, I'm super grateful for it. Like, you know, it's the kind of thing where you would play, I don't know, like maybe you would play, you play Indianapolis or something, you know, and you get done at two in the morning you pack your gear in the van you go to the hotel you sleep for a few hours because you got to drive four hours in Chicago, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so you're not rested. You're trying to sleep in the van. You're not eating very well. You load in at sound check at like three in the afternoon. Yeah. Go get some dinner, maybe grab a nap. Do it again play your two long set get done at two in the morning and and like you do it over and over every day so um you you can you really get your you really get it together playing wise you know it's uh, it's it's like that many days in a row you just it's so so having a child
2: uh, so having a, a newborn is probably cake (laughs) <laughs> yeah, potentially. <laughs> right, right, man. You're like, dude, I I could do this in my sleep. Wait a minute, I am asleep. I literally am asleep.
0: I've been preparing my whole life. Yeah, for not right. sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh,
2: yeah, no, I, I I get that, man. It it's funny because you're kind of wired, and I think a lot of people who have regular schedules and this consistency have a lot of anxiety about. Uh, changes in their life that affect their sleep patterns, like children, and uh, for sure. a lot of us, you're like, "Geez, man, I, I don't think I've had a regular sleep schedule forever." But if you can make it happen, whether it's um, whether the touring situation is right or or local gigs or whatever, then then that's the way to stay healthy because you know, yeah, that, that's the yeah. Key I mean
0: that that's. that's I, I mean, I am certainly not trying not to sleep, but I mean, that's the reality <laughs> of the situation, and, and I think maybe because I'm used to, you know, I guess, you know, a normal person, they, they go to bed at the same time every night, and they get up and do their nine to 5, I haven't had that in 20 years, you know, so yeah, I'm certainly, I'm certainly used to it, um, I think that the thing for me now is that, like, that idea of there's not enough hours in the day, that, that, completely becomes um you know it, it hits home at this point yes um just because there's you know there's like professional obligations and then you know as a drummer you're always trying to achieve or stay current or stay fresh or evaluate your playing
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um, and at times like when you have that it can be time consuming um I don't think it has to be. I think the smarter way to do it is, like, conceptually and and um, um, maybe playing smarter, not harder, or, or thinking about things a little bit more other than if, if you don't have the time. So I'm in that current situation where it's like, you know, you have a newborn. Yeah. I mean, one, I don't really want to come in here and practice, like – do I go hold Lucille and be with my child, or do I come into the drug room? I'm gonna go hang out with, <laughs> with the baby, you know?
2: Yeah, no um, doubt.
0: So, yeah. So, so you just, I, I guess, you just have to figure it out, you know. You do, you, you do. It you do. Uh,
2: it's it's interesting, Um, you know, because when you when you when you have a family and there's you need to nurture that family and that takes time and attention, and when you're self-employed essentially, and you, your days are wide open, and they're up to you to organize, um, you right. have to have that sense of responsibility. Uh, you have to have the responsibility to be able to discipline yourself. You don't have somebody over you saying, okay, you need to do this, you need to do that, and it needs to be done by right. such and such. So it's really yeah. easy to let that stuff go. And, uh, sure. or, or the opposite is true. And a lot of times for me, I just become so overwhelmed and I put so much more on my plate than, than I should. Um, right. Well, let right. me ask you real quick. You mentioned s- staying current. Um, mm-hmm. what, what are some of the things that, uh, you're doing to try and stay current? And and, and what do you mean by that?
0: Well, <clears throat> maybe, Maybe staying current wasn't the best way to put it, although I think that's like a valuable thing. Like I'm not, uh, I'm not necessarily like grasping for whatever the latest trend is. Yeah. But I'm definitely, inspired. I'm inspired, and I still like new music. I'm not stuck in like whatever model, Yeah. You know. Whatever yeah. Where makes you happy, You know, whether it, it, for like, was it Nirvana and Pearl Jam? I'm not like stuck in that that period of my life where i just have to listen to that music so i think just you know still being in what's relevant today i mean i'm a fan of music so i'd like to think that i try to stay current that way by just being aware and inspired by new stuff that's coming out um i guess more maybe what i was trying to say was just you know, like I'm still trying to achieve something on the drums. I still like getting in here and trying to perfecting my craft and gotcha. and grow, growing my growing my own sound. So I, I, it's still very important to me, like the artistic side of it. Yes. Um, and so, um, like keeping that stuff afloat can, can can be time consuming. So it's finding it's finding that balance, that life balance, you know. And, I, I guess just maturity. It's what we all go through. Like you said, you've gone through it. You have you know, 12, 10 and 12 year olds. And and so, or 12 and 15?
2: 12 and 15, yeah. Correct me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, well, you've, you've been there. I should be interviewing you. Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> People say that, but I'm like, I, I interject enough throughout these interviews that if you piece yeah. them all together, it'd be an exhausting 20 episode interview with me oh, ranting yeah. and raving about my. My life. i
0: it. Um, i listen
2: to. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think that's that's important to know. I mean, we we've all worked with musicians that seem to be stuck in a time warp, uh, sure. as far as like some guitar player that uh, loved CC from Poison and never got over the tone, and you're, you're trying nice. to play something new, and you're like, man, come on, or right. uh, you know, they've got great tone because it's rooted in something real, and and yet if you're in a session and say you're trying to create something that's more current because that's the job you have to be a, so much of a sure. s- somewhat of a chameleon, you have to be yeah. able to, get, you have to be able to get references. If somebody says, you know, Hey, I'm looking for this sound from, you know, this second Allman Brothers band, uh, at record. Um, I'm looking for this sound from, um, you know, the last, uh, Keen record or something like that, or you know this new project. So, so that what you bring to the table, and I think that that sometimes is almost more important in the studio. I may be wrong about that, but it seems like in the studio you have to be you have to be you have to know your history and you have to be current.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I mean, I think we're standing on the shoulders shoulders of everyone that's come before us. You know, yes, and I think that really gives you. A clear foundation, and even if it is, uh, it, even if it is a valuable tool as in a, a resource to reach back to, say, like you like you mentioned in the session. I, I kind of have a funny story yeah. about that. Um, so I, when I was living in Dallas, I was doing sessions uh, for this. He he's since passed, but his name is Phil York, and Phil engineered the Redheaded Stranger Willie Record, and he had this place in in the Dallas area called uh, Yorktown Digital. And I used to go over there, and it was like I was, you know, 30 years younger than all the session players, and it was where I learned to play number charts, you know. Yeah. I literally like, would play <clears throat> brush, you know. It, it would be just playing the, the old country grooves, you know, brushing one hand, cross-sticking the other, reading number charts, or coming up with classic country stuff. So I get called, I won't say the names of these artists, but I get called... To go out to Phils again, and it's the it's the it's the band that he always uses great steel player you know, i mean like telly picker country picking guy, and the artist is like she's twenty two or something yeah you know? yeah, she is um, just has it together, like uh really cool songs, really current, really relevant. Uh, her mom lived close to the studio, and she bought the studio time, but it wasn't the right facility. It wasn't the right players. So <laughs> it was interesting because she was maybe coming to me a little bit. Even though I wasn't producing it, there was some, like, those boundaries were being crossed, which was a little comfor- uncomfortable. But, you know, she was coming to me like, I wanted to have more like an REM feel or, you know, <laughs> and the no, the guitar player like doesn't have a delay pedal, or this it, is kind of like a Coldplay thing, and, and like there's no, <laughs> like the guitar player has no reference, you yeah, know. Yeah. Uh, if it was a Merle Haggard thing, like he's nailing it. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah.
0: So, so I, I mean, I just think being aware. I, as a music fan, I'm aware because I like new stuff that's coming out. But as a, as a, as a career choice, like man, it's totally. Um, It's totally important (laughs) to be relevant and and be aware. So where do you go to
2: find a treasure trove of information about vintage drums, custom drums, and legendary drummers? NotSoModernDrummer.com Since 1988, Not So Modern Drummer is an institution dedicated to researching and documenting the history of modern drums, the art of drum building, and the legendary drummers who play them. The writers and contributors are some of the top vintage and custom drum experts from around the world. Not-So-Modern Drummer serves as an online gathering place and marketplace for the worldwide community of drummers who buy and sell, collect, preserve, and play these instruments. It also hosts drum-related events that are attended by drummers from all over the world. This website is easy and fun to explore, and the monthly digital magazine subscription is free. So check out notsomoderndrummer.com. So being here in Nashville, I've been here for sixteen, seventeen years, mm-hmm. and uh, I've had to learn the way Nashville does things, and in a lot of ways, it's very unique. But it is known for country music, uh, and uh, one thing that I, I've learned is that that there, Texas has its thing. Sure, and sure. Um, people, there's I've done gigs in Texas, and and the crowds can be tough. Yeah, sure. And there's sure. A, there's a lot of, so I mean, people are like, well, that's that's not Texas music, like, right? And 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 as, right. as 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 someone that didn't grow up on country music, I'm like, what are you talking about? This is country music. I don't I don't get it. Like, what's the, what's the difference?
0: I know, you know, there's a certain spirit and vibe down here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and there's, I don't know, you know, I don't want to get like too geopolitical but there's a there's a spirit there's a vibe down here people are proud of that and there's a lot of really cool um there's a lot of really cool aspects of living um in texas and so i you know i think people are prideful of that and maybe one way they've they've gone about that is like really embracing the musicians that are down here yeah and that probably goes back to maybe even before Bob Wills, but, you know, that that that's the one that comes to mind for me is like Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys and on up through the Willie Nelsons and Jerry Jeff Walkers and into the guys like Pat Green and Corey Morrow, who I play with, and, and into the, the current guys, the, the Aaron Watsons and Josh Abbots that are having success outside of the state, um, Eli Young, but those bands that have maybe begun to cross over to the Nashville thing, there's... There's um, there's definitely like a, a spirit and a and a pride at, for what Texas country is. Um. So I, I'm thankful. It's 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 interesting because you you know you can um, you can play with a regional artist like Corey Morrow. I mean, just be honest. Let's call it what it is and, and make a good living and, and have a, a great a great gig. But you can, you know, we go, go to other parts of the country and like, who? You know, and right, just right. like. The, you know, shocked that that I could be making a living playing with somebody they've never heard of. You know, that um, is
2: unique. So that, I mean, you couldn't. There's many states you couldn't do that.
0: No, it's very few places. That yeah,
2: you,
0: that you could do that. So I'm real fortunate for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, with, you know, Nashville versus Austin, I guess, or or some things that make Texas. Interesting. Well, I let's. Mean, let's that,
2: d- I mean, well, tell me what you know. I mean, tell me what you what your impression of Nashville is. I know you know. Uh, our uh, we have a mutual friend Ben Jackson, who's introduced me to you. Uh, sure. And sure. kind of what your experience is, what your perception is. Well,
0: you know, I mean, I. I so I, I went to UNT in the early '90s. So Redmond was there. Jim Riley was there. They were both a few years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember those guys from school. I've, I've done festivals with Jim. Um. And and so you know, um, I think it's um, I think maybe the, the Texas music thing is a little bit more forgiving. Um, and what I mean by that is, is, is maybe it's a little less polished or packaged. Hmm. Um, and so the audience in Texas maybe equates that with something real to yeah, them.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But
0: it's or it's homegrown and it's special to them, you mm-hmm. know. So it, a singer-songwriter <clears throat> can have something that's really kind of wordy and tells a story, you know, can, can actually <laughs> be listened to to where maybe that wouldn't necessarily make the record. Okay. In Nashville. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not I'm not saying these things like one's good and one's bad because I I'm mm-hmm. certainly. You can played plenty of things that are that are like you know, trying to make a national radio sound and there's there's plenty of things that aren't. That's, that yeah, walked both
1: mm-hmm.
0: you've tried to have a foot in both both realms. So so I think that's that's kind of kind of part of it, you know, um being being less less driven by trends to some degree. Um, no, I think those it, are- it's hard- to delineate, you know, to some degree, because there are pl- there's plenty of people down here that are that are doing really well that you would call Texas music to do the records in Nashville, because because like it, it's pretty it's pretty undeniable, like <clears throat> everything it just sounds good. You go to Nashville, it just sounds good. The players are great. Mm-hmm. The studio's got figure it figured out. You know, like yeah. it's yeah. it's undeniable. You know, um, so uh, not all. You know, so so so, I would say there's a polish to the Nashville thing that maybe some of the Texas country doesn't have, but I think that a lot of the the new Texas country is definitely, you know, keeping that standard of audio quality and, and yeah, playing. Yeah, um, no,
2: I think I think sure. the 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 uh, studio technology in Nashville has been known for. For decades I mean There were There were rock acts In the 60s And 70s That were coming here To record And right. it's been that way Ever right. since So um, And yeah The level of playing But but no I think it's I think you've made Some really interesting Distinctions um, About and, and I I hear that myself the, the little that I know About Texas Music yeah. And from what I've heard Um I, I do get that there there is um i I guess not the need to follow trends it seems to be yes. a, a strong takeaway from that, so that's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing. it is what it is
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah. and that's and that's I guess that's the main thing you know it's it's less about there's this independent spirit, and that's that's kind of alive and well, even in kind of like the business and culture. Uh, of the state of Texas, that has kind of carried through to the, the the idea of the music. It's independent. If I if, if I'm influenced by. A, a Rolling Stones song, I can put out a Texas kind of country version that's rough and raw and and has that vibe. If it's a, you know, if it's a a songwriter thing and it it happens to be a train beat, we're probably going to put it on the record because that means something to us. To where like, you know, there's certain maybe formulas that are known to work, obviously on a on a larger platform, mm-hmm. the radio platform. Mm-hmm. Nashville is is stuff of. So yeah, there's a little bit more artistic freedom or or can be a little bit more culturally relevant not necessarily having to be um doing the lightest greatest thing you know and i'm not saying that that's what everybody in nashville does but there's definitely you know i mean i think there's definitely a a vibe in the room of like, man, this is going to be a hit or not, you know? Yeah.
2: Well, if you want to <laughs> so, compete on the, on this larger, on this large scale, if you want to compete with, with what's trending right now, the train totally. beat, uh, playing a train beat on a song is going to be the last thing you're going to ever hear.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and in some ways hearing a real, hearing a real drummer is one of the last things you're going to hear with some of the stuff in the in recent sure. years.
0: Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt yeah you know, a doubt, which
2: is which is, sure. is concerning um, on on your website uh, there's a thing that you have a, a uh, describing you okay and one of the things that says uh, a, a light sense of humor
0: <laughs> i've been hacked somebody hacked my website
2: <laughs> oh that's it right there that's it you're you using know, you're <laughs> employing that light sense of humor right now
0: <laughs> i Good think job. so I, so it might be heavy handed at some point. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know, uh, I had a real dear friend who did spend some time in Nashville, a really great drummer who's in Fort Worth who, who's doing some web design for me. He put together one of my, I guess he put together a website for me a number of years ago. And so he, he had actually, I think he came up with that description, you know, he's like, man, this is you, I'm putting this on your website. And so, yeah, I've, I've kind of with it, but, um, I think to, to the the point of that though is very relevant for drummers. I mean, I, I think if, if you're going to work, you know, you got to give good bus, you got to be somebody that people like to be around. You mm-hmm. have to be, you know, you can't, I, I cause I, have and this is maybe from personal experience, I've taken myself way too seriously for long periods of time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, at my own detriment, you know, to be straight, honest. Um, and so I think, like you know, sometimes letting things roll and being fun and you know having a sense of humor and being able to laugh goes a long way. And just those personal relationships that you build with your bandmates is and so important.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I think that that's one of the first times that I've seen that where somebody's in the in in their pitch for like, hey, I'm I'm here. Yeah hire me, uh, as opposed to just listing the credits of who you've worked with and what you've done. I, I'm going to sure. tell you, uh, you know, s- somewhere in here, you're going to know a little bit about me because, as we've mentioned many, many times on this this podcast, y- you know, the time you spend on stage is minute compared to the time that you spend together in yes. the, on the bus, in the van, at soundcheck, uh yeah on the plane, I mean, dealing with just the normal wear and tear of, of whatever the road throws at you or whatever the session may be, the vibe of the session may really benefit from somebody that knows how to roll with it. And, and so I I just,
0: yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, I, I think some of the reasons I work is just because maybe I can, I don't know. Um, I would hope. I'm going to say, rather than saying I know, I would hope that part of the reason I work is because people like me, you yes. know. And obviously, you know, at some point I realized that like my my double bass chops weren't going to be anything that to write home about, or that that you know, at some point you you go, well, I'm not going to be able to keep up with with this guy technically, and and maybe I don't want to, uh, but I do really like playing songs and yeah. and, and playing music and and. Um, and so, like giving a support role, um, and and building something, a foundation uh, that the other musicians can can build off of, and then also just doing that personally, you know, just being that that kind of guy um, on the bandstand and on the bus and behind you know behind the scenes. Yeah. Because um, I, you know, I think you just. You got to look at like, well, what kind of people do I want to be around? You know, right? <laughs> Don't be right. Too weird, so much, you know.
2: No, I, I would, I would go out on a limb and saying, I, I think you are 100 percent correct. I think that what will c- continue to uh, uh, cultivate work for you is the ability to to get along, to be a good hang. Um, sure. The things that you sure. have online for people to see and hear. It proves that you can play, and you sound great. Your pocket is super great, and there's a swing in your feel as well. Um, So that that, that, yo, sure, man, it's great. Uh, And 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 there's there's um those are things that are easy to get across. Those are things that are almost instant to deliver. And and again, what about this online presence? That is necessary for us to stay busy uh that without being um annoying um, but
0: yeah, ben, that's a huge, very interesting thing that's that's on my mind I mean I'm about to go to China to do a drum clinic tour, and I'm not the the prototypical drum clinic guy, you know mm-hmm. I'm not the thomas Lang uh kind of Chop Monster, uh, drum acrobatics kind of thing. Um, I think there was a point in my life where it would have been really cool, (laughs) you know, if I could have attained that. But that wasn't my, you know, that wasn't my emphasis, not what I'm trying to do. So I guess, you know, the reality of the world that we live in today with the Instagram videos Everybody has gotten to the climax within five seconds in a four, it, it, you know a fortissimo mm. and it's uh and it's it's a it's a really um, it's a very self indulgent it's very impressive it's 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 really cool but it's not necessarily the reality of, of making music and, and doing it being a working drummer mm-hmm. it can be two different things you know the subtleties I think, in my mind, subtleties are really um, important in music, and they're important in what we do in the drums. and And a perfect example would be, you know, "Beat It" by Michael Jackson. That's like the first drum beat everybody learns, mm-hmm. but not very many people can play it like and do. You know, yeah. Um, and you can go down the list. Everybody can can do that skipped hi hat thing that Charlie Watts does, but Charlie Watts sounds like Charlie Watts, and it's a very simple beat if you look at it on paper. Yeah, but subtleties are subtleties are feel, subtleties are human, subtleties are are natural, and and to some degree, it's. I don't want to be like the old man get off my lawn, but but subtleties and nuance can be. I don't don't want to say they're being lost, um, but I think it's 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 important that we remember that about subtleties and nuance Mm -hmm. and touch and feel the instrument, yes, and those nuances and subtleties are really what drives the, the vibe and, and, and I don't care if it's a Chris Stapleton record or a John Mayer thing like that stuff it's subtle and it's deep and it's incredibly beautiful um, and nobody on those records is getting to a climax like in 10 seconds on an Instagram video of Chops you know so um, so you know I mean that that kind of I guess that's that's kind of what I'm, I have for me going. I hope, you know, is the subtlety and nuance and giving the, the, just a supportive thing to the music, you know. Right, right. I think it's it's important. No, I think that I
2: think that's an important point. I mean, subtlety is almost like it's your thumbprint uh, to mm-hmm. to the session or to the gig. Uh, and and it is it may be very well the reason why you get called to do that work, sure, uh, because because yeah. you bring the subtlety can create the vibe. Because again, say you're talking about the the groove on "Beat It," that's going to be we're going to be playing that that groove so many different scenarios for so many different songs. So why sure. why wouldn't they call just Joe Schmo, and you know why yeah, do they want right. to call you? So you have to differentiate yourself, yeah. and that comes into. Your touch, your feel, yeah. your subtlety exactly
0: yeah um, I, mean, I think that, that that that's i think a skill that's really hard you know as someone who's who does a little bit of teaching, mm-hmm. I don't do a ton of teaching, but a little bit um um and then the clinic thing, um nuance and subtlety are really what defines groove, and it's really hard to teach, and it's really hard some some people either get it or they don't, you know mm-hmm. um. But it, but it's really, I think it what's it defines like you know you talked about those five records desert island records like subtlety and nuance and a personality kind of define those records that we would classify as as desert island mm-hmm. records um, and and maybe and I guess that's where you know we talked earlier I feel like I have kind of a roots background yeah um, I, I think being aware of of Classic soul, blues, jazz, R&B, country, western, swing. I think those grooves, those depths, like, give you a really strong foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, there's always going to be somebody faster. There's always going to be somebody louder. There's always going to be somebody that tomorrow has a cooler pair of pants that, you know. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, for me, I, I, mean, I just try to develop a depth up to my playing, and whether I achieve that or not, I'll leave that up to somebody else. So most of the producing stuff I've done is, have been with my buddy Jacob. Okay, um, and he he's got some like really genius uh, attributes, and I think we work work well together. Okay, um, we can kind of wrangle the project into um, something mean meaningful. Um, so. I use that term with a little hesitation because it's not just about me, you know, okay. but uh kinda of a partnership. Um but so we've we've worked um you know, we're we're currently doing a lot of stuff in our home studios, um and, and beginning to bounce track back and forth and even getting together and writing and playing more and trying to build a library. Um but the so the the producing stuff we've done, uh there's two records that um I'm pretty pretty proud of a young guy named Ty Curtis, who uh, is out of the Portland, Oregon area. Um, And so, you know, Jacob and I co produced both of those records. The first one, we used Ty's drummer. Um, And so, you know, a lot of my role as far as producing another drummer is is wrangling in parts, Hmm. you know, so somebody who's, who's uh, very energetic live, bringing that into a listenable radio, kind of packaged form um, and, and arranging arranging parts and drum sounds, and uh, trying to get the vibe of the tune, you know, because I think playing live can be completely different than playing in the studio.
2: So what, um, what, what are some of the things that you would instruct or, or advise in that situation?
0: Well, in that situation, the, the first one, we had some difficulty with consistent striking uh, mm-hmm. to where, you know, if there's a four-bar phrase or just four hours of, of, of groove, like, there might be eight different narrative volumes, oh, you know, okay. or the bass was super inconsistent.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so those are more, I guess those are more like what just the typical session guy somebody who's done some records in their life would be aware of and listening. So, so in that particular situation, that was some of the, the struggles, I guess. Um, maybe, maybe dialing it in, you know, um, less symbols, just, just being aware of, of how to cut a record.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and then as far as like the, the producing role, um, it, 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 it a lot of it is like kind of arranging, like like wrangling in ideas. You know, this intro is too long. Let's cut this. The, the bridge is cool, but maybe let's try this. Um, kind of having a big overall. I think drummers are great at this because we sit in the back and we watch everything that's going on.
2: True. Very true.
0: And and so I think a lot of really great drummers that produce because we kind of maybe uh, what what's the term? We can see the forest. Through the trees, <laughs> right, or whatever, right. you know.
2: Yeah, we could, get yeah. big.
0: Pictures. So, so that that was kind of my my. Uh, that's kind of my, I guess, the way I'd have my brain if I'm producing something is looking at the big picture, looking the overall. Yeah. Right? The sonic space, the sound of the whole thing, making it sort of concise. Make sure it makes sense. You know, um, I think a lot of times as musicians we latch onto something that we really like and we put it in a song, but it doesn't necessarily. Isn't necessarily relevant to uh, what's being sung, the words, you mm-hmm. know, right. the, the, the message that's being conveyed. And I guess maybe that's why a drummer can be a really great producer, is because to me, uh, a lot of times we are, um, we're we're the attitude. We can be we can be the emotion or the attitude a lot mm-hmm. of times, in how we play things. Uh, we can be aggressive. We can be you know, sensitive, we can be laid back, we can be on edge a little bit, so a lot of times we're really, how we drive a chorus, we can really be involved in in the emotional aspect of a song, so I think drummers can can be really great producers, because you kind of see that big picture window.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree, I agree. We kind of take a back seat and have this constant outside perspective, Uh, not in all situations, but in most situations, it's very true. Sure um sure and
0: and and, and, and so yeah so I like in, in my time producing it's it's co- co-producing and stuff with Jacob, so I I feel like I'm really good at like wrangling in the studio pricing it out with the the artists putting the players in place the players that make sense for this project you know having the right bass player having the right guitar player like trying to pick the vibe going in of mm-hmm. the session players um, I'm not. I'm just just straight out I'm not good at like uh, <clears throat> vocal takes and 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 abing, you know, 15 vocal takes and, and tuning vocals and all that stuff. So, so so Jacob and I work well together. He's a he's a, a genius at coming up with hooks. Um, you know, he's one of those guys. It's, it's like perfect pitch. You know, so we work work well together. I, I work on the back end of it, I think, and on the rhythm section days, I kind of take. Uh, control those days and then and then, when we get to overdubs and and, and vocals, chicken kind of kind of takes the lead um, and i 'm not sure he has the patience for the the, the, the getting and the tracking and trying to get the rhythm t- takes just totally happening yeah you know? so so we work we work well together, um, so those have been my my roles as a producer. Um, that-
2: no, I, I think it's you know, it's good to know like what what do you what do you have the patience for and where can you yeah. excel and where can you shine and help a help a project really uh, reach its full sure. potential and uh, understanding yeah. your limitations, but um, but but exercising that that experience in a positive way. And, and applying sure. that where where you can, um, well, and and related to um, your understanding of, of uh, being in the studio, um, is there anything that you do particularly in your approach to recording when you are in the studio compared to live?
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, I think I play less. You know, I mean, mm. that would be that sure. would be one thing. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, because Corey's gig is, um, I say that. I've been on gigs where I play less. Um, I'm not playing a ton with Corey, but things evolve on stage, and that vibe is okay. Our guitar player is, uh, his name's John Carroll. He's amazing. Um, John can go, John will go on a tangent, and John's like a walking jukebox, and he's an amazing player. So a lot of times it's, 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 It's keeping up with John to some degree. It's it's such an amazing idea and and such a virtuoso his instrument that things evolve. And so we go in places that, that, and Corey's totally cool with it. He loves it. Like the more energy we have, uh, he, you know, he just gets all excited. Um, so that vibe, like I wouldn't bring that to the studio, you know? Yeah. Um, so in, in my experience, and I maybe limited experience, you know, cause I know there's guys in Nashville that are that are doing doing this every day. I, I, you know, I might do I do some stuff from the home studio, maybe a couple times a week, and then maybe once a month or two times a month I'll, I'll get somebody to hire me here in Austin and do the demo project, with So I'm not doing it every day, um, um, but I do have um, some experience to. Uh, to offer, um, I, I think it's just like it's a consistent consistency being able to quickly pick up on what's going down, you
1: know. Right, right. Um,
0: and offer ideas when they are needed, <laughs> you know. Um, and and so coming in with great sounds, striking consistently, having relevant ideas that don't get in the way of the song. I mean, that's kind of that's what I get hired to do. I'm not like a Matt Chamberlain. That's, I'm getting hired for a certain creative sound I'd like to think I'm working towards that where people go oh man holy cow did you hear what Brian did
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I think when they hear about me it's like oh man he's quick he sounded great he got the tracks done he could read a number chart he wasn't a pain in the ass
2: yeah okay yeah
0: I think where some of my strengths lie and that that, that's important that's like doing the job you know what I mean right doing the job you're hot for yeah um but you know and there's times where I can be creative and, and offer something different, but a lot of times it's about getting the job done quickly. No, I think that's that's
2: time. that's a great distinction and I think those being able to wear those two hats are, are are important and I think to be known as a creative contributor is something that we would we all aspire to. Uh, sure. when somebody says, "Hey, what do you do for a living?" you say, "Oh, I'm the painter." people, right. they want to distinguish, well, what do you mean? Do you paint houses or do you paint portraits? Exactly. Uh, you know, so uh, it, we, uh, I mean, in our society, what holds a greater esteem is sometimes the more creative, artistic individual. Uh, so sure. maybe somebody that has their paintings in the, in the museum might... G- garner more interest than the person that just painted the hallway of your of your house, and yet they're essential yeah and if I hire way. somebody to paint my house, I want them to be damn good <laughs> right right and, and, for sure and and i've done and I've done work where I've painted and gotten paid for it, so I want to make sure that right. I'm doing a good job
0: right right you should see my nursery, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, it's it's, man, yeah. My attention to detail with the paintbrush was uh, <laughs> was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, no, that's 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 the reality. I mean, like obviously, I'm trying to see like an artistic side to my playing that would would rival whoever you can mention. You know, uh, I, there's always that. For me, it's Gad is at the top, so I'm always like trying to achieve that. Mm-hmm. That Steve, Gabb, you know, whatever you call it, that penultimate uh, achievement of doing the job of doing an artistically beautiful. Like I'm, you know, I'm trying to cheat. But sometimes it's like you get the call, and it's like, uh, you know, Heyward, this was kind of like a classic George Strait thing. All right, here we go. And you know, it's a number chart. And by the third take, you better be giving him something. You know, right? It's not the second. Your idea's are gonna be in place. Um and so sometimes it's it's that it's that vibe. It's not, hey, what can you do on this?
2: Right. Um, there are those opportunities, but not always.
0: No, not always, you know. Not always. And and aware of when that's maybe that's the thing. Maybe the difference between a really young player that's trying to prove himself and then maybe a seasoned veteran is kind of like just self awareness. Or or not even self awareness, but just awareness, you know, being able to Read the room. I came up in that, in that school band into in going into North Texas, and, and there's definitely a, you know, I'm, I'm playing drumline in the morning with these huge Ralph Hardeman's on Kevlar trying to make the drumline with Paul Rennick, you know, dude your ticket you know like yelling at you uh, and then in the afternoon i'm going to pick up some ad's and i'm trying to interpret a big band art with soap on my neck you know yeah. um who was incredibly gracious to me um and, and so uh the later in the afternoon like i'm going to play the Gamelon ensemble or doing the steel band <laughs> there's, so there's this you know there's this built-in thing with music education where it's like yeah you could you want to be exposed to this stuff, but maybe for me, I took it as like, yeah, I have to be great at all this stuff, and, and eventually, I, I did come around to a more realistic perspective of who I am, what I do, and what I like to do, and, and I figured out how to make that work and how to make a living doing it. So I think that it's, it's, that's really important to people, especially in today's where you know I can open Instagram and man, there's like all this stuff. There's all these videos, there's like. Brazilian bass player killing it. And there's, you know, there's, there's I mean, whatever style whatever that you can think of, it's right there at your fingertips. You can just do whatever. There's a million YouTube's to show you how to do it. Um, so you have to be careful. Yeah, you, know, you have to find your voice, find who you are, you know, yeah. and try to excel at that and be happy with that. And make, right. You know, I think that's an, an important difference. For drummers, it's not talked about a lot. You know, everything's like you got to play this lick, or you got to play this groove, or you got to learn this rudiment. Um, But finding who you are and what you do is equally as important.
2: Right, and 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 as you mentioned earlier in this in this interview, uh, touring with the with the blues artist, and they're they're turning around to you and say, "I need need more."
1: Yeah,
2: and and I think what they needed, they needed. Confidence and they needed a foundation and, uh, and exactly. a, com- a command of the style and a command of the instrument for sure
0: yeah 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 and, and some, sometimes having those like some older musicians and people who have been around to kind of take you under their wing is, is exactly what what's needed because like I said, those nuances and subtleties and the thing you know uh, like one of the main Memories or lessons I had from that, that Curtis day is the bass player, like, just drive me around the neck, giving me a big old bear hug, and he's like, Hey, when we're playing this Memphis Soul stuff, four on the floor, don't play the bass drum do the whole thing. Like, don't change that four on the floor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: You're going to play that, keep that four on the floor. And that's what I want to hear, you know, and he's just like, you know. He's shaking his ass and grooving, and it's like, that's what he needed, and the whole thing came to life. So sometimes those little, like, tiny nuances, man, that's, that's, a, that's you know, that's the foundation that's and, so important.
2: And opening yourself up to that, opening up yourself to suggestions, criticisms, the universe or the the individual that's going to deliver that information to you. For sure. Well, let me ask you one one last thing, Brian. What's what's uh, what's what's the rest of your year look like? What do you uh, do? You think you do you see sleep in your future or um?
0: see some sleep? uh, Maybe I'm flying to China next week, and then every time I get on the tour bus, I go immediately to my bunk until sound check, and then after sound check, I get in my bunk until gig time. So that's when I'm sleeping. Uh, The the rest of the year, uh, Corey has a, a, continues to have a a decent schedule through the rest of the year. So I I have my Corey Marl dates going on. I have one big marquee thing at the end of the year. I'm going to be presenting a drum set clinic at PASIC this year in Indianapolis. Great man. Yeah. So I'll be on Saturday evening. Uh, I think it's four o'clock on Saturday, November 11th. I will be presenting a PASIC clinic. Um, So I'm, I'm continuing to prepare for that every day. Um, uh, I'm also continuing to write. So that sideband, I have the Harvey Cartel. Uh, we have a, a number of tunes that we're finishing, uh, a lot of them here in my home studio, and uh, hope to have some material like an EP out uh, by the end of the year. We've said that a couple years in a row, but it's actually happening now.
2: Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> it's actually, yeah. Uh,
0: so, um, yeah, so that that's kind of where my creative outlet is, is, is in the Harvey Cartel. Um, so look for that music by the end of the year. Uh, also come see me at PASIC, and uh, or if you see the Corey Morrow band uh, on your uh, marquee in your favorite venue, come out and and say hi. That that's what my year is shaping up to be.
2: Nice, nice. Well, hey, uh, um, my thanks to Ben Jackson for for connecting us here. Um,
1: Definitely
2: Yeah, yeah. Definitely. yeah Brian, thanks man So much for doing this And the, the, man, super great stuff Just as far as uh, Where your headspace is And it sounds like You're in a really great spot With your playing Your career And congratulations on your family
0: well, thanks man. It's 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 fun. I should have I should have warned you that I rambled before we started but but I, I hope we rambled in some No, no. And, this is
2: that's what this is for. That's what this Yeah, that's why we have this long format and 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 yeah. I hope that um, Anybody out there that is um, escaping to their to their bunk or wherever, they can throw their headphones on and catch a few of these episodes as we can. Hey, Brian, have a great day, dude. Hope you get caught up with some sleep and enjoy your family. Thanks, man. Take care, man. All right. See you, man. Goodbye. Right. Bye. So there you go. There was Brian. It was really nice to meet him. That was the first time we had a chance to chat. And a big thanks goes to Ben Jackson one of our former interviewees uh, based here in Nashville that knew Brian. And uh, I'm so glad that uh, Ben made that connection uh, with me and Brian and we were able to chat. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, My thanks goes to Mike Jackson for his technical assistance and stay tuned for Zach Albetta's interview. And once again, uh, we have started our Patreon page. If you go to patreon.com slash working drummer, You can see uh, all the different rewards that we have that we can offer you for those who are able to uh, participate in supporting this podcast. Um, We have uh, just a small number of people, but we're very excited to have gotten this off the ground and uh, mail out some t-shirts and do some shout outs and do some other things like that. Um, Also want to um, let you all know that we have t-shirts for sale. Now on the, um, the website, um, large, extra large, and double XL. But um, please go there, check them out. We've got designs on the front and the back. I'm real excited about the, the new logo and the new t shirts so please check that out. But once again, we thank everyone for your support and listening, and I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.